Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 686 of the Juicebox podcast. So today's episode is with Lori. She was diagnosed later in life. Uh, very much a surprise to her. But um, I have a little egg on my face today. This episode was recorded... In April of 2021, for context, you are currently listening to episodes recorded in, I think, November of 2021. So uh, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, nine months late and over, ooh, geez, I'm so sorry, Lori, 13 months after she recorded this. Lori's terrific. It's a great episode. She's got an engineer's mind, and it's interesting to hear her think through her diagnosis as an adult who did not expect to get diabetes in any way. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. For clarity, I just moved Lori's file into the wrong folder. And just like that, it was out of sight and out of mind. I apologize to everyone involved. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by one of our newest advertisers, InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Maybe you uh, don't want an insulin pump, but you'd like some of the functionality that they offer. InPen is probably for you. Head over to InPenToday.com to find out more. The podcast is also sponsored today by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You're going to learn more at ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. There are links to InPen and Contour in the show notes of your podcast player and at JuiceBoxPodcast.com. If you can't remember, ContourNext.com forward slash juice box and InPenToday.com. So, no, you don't worry. You're That's fine. for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my, I'm recording already, and I shouldn't say this probably, but my wife's been working from home now for 13 months, and my kids and I are just stare at each other because she's just, she yells. And we tell her, you're talking too loud. And she's like, am I? And we're like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're much too loud. And she goes, okay. And five minutes later, she's yelling <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know, back before the world was a real place and people would talk louder to somebody who spoke a different language, like, you know, that ridiculous like thing you have. My wife appears to do that with Zoom. She just yells at Zoom like it can't hear her. So we've given up now. We just snicker behind her back. Um, I <laughs> I totally understand that because my family tells me that I talk way too loud on the phone that I yell at Zoom, I yell at WebEx. I mean, I'm super loud all the time. <laughs> I, I have to say that I'm a little, uh, I'm probably spoiled because it is my inclination to be loud, but I'm mic'd pretty well. So I can't be too loud because the microphone is doing a lot of the work. So I have to speak kind of calmly. But yeah, she's, my, my wife is busy uh, making sure that your COVID vaccine is safe and at the same time does not appear to know how to talk to people over a computer. So... <laughs> Well, let me know if I get too loud on this. No, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. But I, but if you yell, I will say I will say. Okay, right. great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, you go ahead and introduce yourself any way you want to be known, um, and we'll just start off. Okay. Um, 
Well, my name is Lori. Um, I have had type one diabetes for about a year, almost two years, actually. Now, mm-hmm. um, I was diagnosed at 49. So clearly you can do the math and I'm 51. Um, and I, um, it's been very interesting the past two years. I've, um, really had to try to, you know, just like everyone who gets diagnosed has to come up the learning curve and figure out, oh my God, you know, how am I going to manage this? Um, and I guess, um, I don't know, maybe that's probably the best introduction. I guess the thing that's interesting that makes, I guess my story a little bit interesting is that I, you know, I guess a lot of people that come on the show have, um, lots of reasons for um, not believing or not understanding that they were developing diabetes um, and that they had all the symptoms. I guess mine was that I thought it was menopause, (laughs) which now looking back seems utterly ridiculous and I should have known, but I just kept, I just kept, you know, thinking, Oh, well, it's this, it's that it's, well, I I have to tell you, it's it's, it's menopause symptoms. I, I've, rec- I've recorded about 500 of these, and you are going to hold the distinction of being the first person who thought that their type 1 diabetes was menopause. Congratulations. Oh, uh, there's, well. There's no trophy. Maybe it's, but. Well, good. Maybe it's not that common of a um, of a rationalization then. Yeah. I, I mean, you just it, it's, first of all, it's interesting to hear why you think you're going to be interesting on the show because the, the thing that you thought is not what I thought when I read your email. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what did you think? (laughs) Well, so first of all, you feel you feel a real need, which is somebody who's been diagnosed later in life, because I get a ton of emails about can you please have people on who are diagnosed later in life to and and I respond to each one of those emails. And I say, I will if you know, I find people who have been diagnosed later in life who want to talk on a podcast about it. it's not that easy. I, I, I think people are starting to believe that I can just stand up and point at people and make them come on the podcast. So that's great. But also that you're an engineer. Is, oh. <laughs> is fantastic because that thing that makes you good at your job, I'm wondering if it makes you bad at diabetes. And I can't wait to find out. Um, don't laugh yet because I think you don't don't give away. I, let's get to it. We'll build slowly. Also, Lori, I know we're not, I guess we're not saying, and it's fine that we're not, but you know, are you, well, first let me ask you, are, you're comfortable doing this, right? You're not nervous or anything like that? Oh, well, I'm a little bit nervous, but I also kind of feel like I know you because I've listened to so many podcasts. So I'm kind of like, oh, Scott Bitter, you know, he's in my, he's in my ears a lot. Well, well, I'm just saying I Google everybody that comes on the show at some point and you speak in front of people. And I know we're probably not going to, maybe, maybe that'll come up or it won't, but there's just no reason for you to be nervous being on a podcast. Like I think. Oh, okay. (laughs) That helps. Thank you. It seems like you've, uh. You've spoken in front of people before. So, um, okay. So let's figure out, let's go slow. Uh, how about lifelong? Any, and really think about it, any medical issues throughout your life? Not, you know, not really. I mean, I, I, when I was a kid, I did have terrible environmental allergies, like, you know, dust, pollen, Mm -hmm. you know, I, that was terrible. Um, and it, you know, back in the dark ages, when I was a kid, um, you know, we, you know, there were a couple, I had allergy shots like three times. And then, you know, I had a lot of ear infections. So I had tubes in my ears three times also. 
So there was a lot of struggle with allergies until I kind of, I kind of grew out of it. Um, it got, I don't know exactly why this happened. So, you know, I mean, a doctor would probably be able to tell you, but, um, you know, I, I, I had, um, you know, I kind of outgrew it around 13 or 14. It all got a whole lot better. I just really didn't have problems with allergies anymore. And then, you know, through my twenties and thirties and most of my forties, I was like super healthy, you know, well, a couple of things that are interesting, really, a couple of things that are interesting. First of all, if you Google pollen allergies, autoimmune, you're going to get a return back that says, in autoimmunity, there are different types of T cell uh, T cells involved. Uh, um, excuse me. In autoimmunity, there is a different type of T cell involved than in allergies. In an autoimmune response, tissues deconstruct. But with allergies, the immune system overreacts to harmless allergens. So while it's not the exact same thing, it is your body overreacting to something. Because there are mm-hmm. plenty of people who walk around on a summer day and whose eyes are not running and they're not banging themselves in the side of the head because of their itchy eyes and stuff of that like that. So I've always kind of thought of that as an immune response. That's not quite right. Um, yeah. You know, which I think is, is interesting. And you mentioned that they just went away. Absolutely happened to me when I was young, the worst allergies. Like I couldn't go outside. Sometimes my whole family would be outdoors. I'd have to sit inside in the air conditioning, you know, stuff like that. And then one day it just stopped. It just stopped. And it just never happened again. It was absolutely amazing. And, and I watched it happen to my son very recently. Um, he was fine until he was about 15, had terrible allergies for about three or four years. They just went away out of nowhere. And then a year or so later, he started having trouble with his thyroid. Oh. not that crazy? So Yeah. I, I, I well, just wonder. That's what I wonder. Because you have a long yeah. life in front of you before type 1. Uh, any, yeah. Any other people in your family line? with any autoimmune stuff? Um, not that I know of. There's been some celiac disease. That's a yes um, but really, I mean, not, not, there wasn't even that, you know, anywhere, you know, not close relatives. N- nobody close has mm-hmm. had any of this stuff. There's been some, al- there's been allergies, there's yep. allergies, but I, you know, but this, you know, nothing terrible. You know, it's not like you eat a peanut and you almost die. You know, there's nothing. None of our allergies are that bad. Yeah. But, but it is interesting that you, you know, I said, are there any autoimmune? You said, no, just celiac. Celiac is autoimmune. Yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah. So I, I way. guess I yeah, yeah, yeah. forgot. No, no, yeah. no. It's not even that. It's that it's not. It's it's I think it's outside of the way people think about it. Like once you have type one diabetes, you have in your mind the worst autoimmune thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is the bad one. And, but I think other ones for some people, celiac's terrible for some people and yeah. you know, that kind of stuff too. So there's a tiny bit of celiac. It's not right. It's not like your mom or your dad have it, something like that. Um, you live your whole, I mean, let's be, can I be honest with you for a second? Like, can you be yeah. honest with me, Lori? I mean, 49, you thought you made it, right? Well, you know, I got to say, you know, getting type 1 diabetes at 49 did not cross my mind ever <laughs> as something that I, you know, skated past. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I mean, it never occurred to me that this would happen because, you know, like I said, nobody in my family's ever had type 1 that I know of, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I... 
I just didn't even, I, it never crossed my mind. Nobody even has type two. Right. Nobody's got any kind. And you're an active fit person on top of all that. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I've been doing, you know, marathons, triathlons. Um, you know, I'm just generally, I just like to move around. I like to hike. You know, I like to do go on walks around the neighborhood, even, you know, whatever, swim. I, I, there's just a, I, I'm busy. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not overweight. I was, I've never been overweight. I've never had any other real health problems at all. Mm. So, you know, this came as a shocker, <laughs> to say the least. Listen, I'm going to be 50 this summer. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm down to worrying about, I don't want to have a heart attack. Right. I, I, yeah. I, I want to dodge cancer if I can. And then I, you know, not a slip and fall and then go as long as I can like that. It, I don't listen. Maybe I'm weird, but I've always thought about this stuff as I was getting older. Like, you know, in your 20s, this generally happens to people in your 30s. This generally happens to people. I'm even one of those people who's like, oh, your kids turning 13. I hope they don't become bipolar. That's about the year when that happens. Like, I, <laughs> I have very strange feelings about like So I just. As so, as you ascend the years, it just feels like, wow, am I going to be one of the people who just gets old and dies? Like that's so cool. Like I can't believe I made it. Like that's how it feels to me. Um, but I don't know. Forty nine. If I were to get type one diabetes right now, I'd be like, mother, <laughs> you must have been well, pissed. Uh, yeah, that's kind of well. When I got out over the shock of it, yeah. I was, you know, I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, it's better than getting cancer. You know, I did kind of, I did kind of go down that path then, you know, I was mm. kind of like, oh, well, okay, at least not cancer. And, uh, you know, I guess there's a whole lot worse things I could get that are not treatable. You know, this is manageable. I can right. manage this, right. you know, um, not going to die. I just have a chronic disease I'm going to have to deal with. Yeah. Um, okay. You know. Well, what did, what, it do look, do? what did it look like when it started, when it started happening? What were you, what was the first sign and how did you write it off? Well, there were a lot, I look back and there were tons of signs. I just, I just blew it off. Well, I mean, when I was 47, I, um, you know, I was, I, I was di well diagnosed or I, I don't know if you get diagnosed with this, but they, you know, I had the blood work and I met with my OBGYN and she's like, Oh, well, you know, you're having hot flashes because you're in menopause. And, um, you know, I went through that for several years and I, you know, I thought, Oh, well that's early, but you know, I, um, just didn't, you know, I, I was just sort of like, okay, well, I guess I'll just deal with this. And, you know, everybody does that. So it wasn't a surprise and it didn't feel like a health issue. It's not a health issue. It's just something you're supposed to go through. Mm -hmm. But I thought I wouldn't do that at 47. I thought I would do it at 55, but apparently it's not even all that early, but you, you know, 47 is on the early -er side of normal. So gotcha. I, you know, I had that. So you know, everything was fine for a while. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm kind of 49 and I'm like, well, you know, I'm drinking a lot of water and I'm peeing. I'm having to get up every night and pee. And I thought, well, 
you know, maybe I'm, you know, God, it must be true what they say. You know, you get old, you dry up. (laughs) I'm just old and God, really? And I'm old and 49, huh? And so I kind of wrote off the water and peeing thing as well. I'm, I'm somehow drying up. I'm needing more water now. Mm. And then the peeing thing, I was like, oh, well, maybe my, my uterus is prolapsing. I'm just, I'm just old. So wait, wait, was that happening or you just imagined that would be the reason? That's what I was imagining. That was not happening. Okay. Everything is fine. Hey, congratulations but I... <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was, there was a little piece of me that was a little bit relieved. Like, oh, okay. It's not a prolapse. I don't have any actual problems like that. gynecologically. So that's good. But I, yeah. So I was kind of writing that started to happen a little bit. Um, maybe I noticed it probably in maybe December, November, December, when I was, I was still 48 then kind of around that time, I kind of noticed I kind of drinking a lot of water. I'm peeing. I have to get up in the middle of the night and pee. And I thought, God, you know, it is, it's true what they say, you know, getting old is not for wimps. That's a boy thing though. Mostly, right. <laughs> like the peeing in the middle of the night. Isn't that a prostate thing? Well, I wasn't sure. I didn't know. I was like, well, maybe it happens to everybody. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. I, what I could be it, wrong with me? Well, Laurie, basically, I was like, what could be wrong with me? Right. I am, I am really, I'm fit. I eat healthy. I'm not overweight. You know, and the, the doctors tell you all the time, you know, well, you know, these are things you need to do to live a nice, long, healthy life. And I was doing all those things. And so what could be wrong with me? Mm. That's kind of what I was thinking. I hear that. Yeah. I Well, I mean, I kind of enjoy hearing the story because it's it's demonstrative to everybody else listening that no matter what age this happens to you most people are going to try to relate it to something else to write it off it's just it's just it's it's very human and very common like yeah. i mean cuz you went all the way to maybe i have a prolapsed uterus which by the way unless you say something more interesting in the next 45 minutes Lori's uterus is on the inside might be the title of your episode and i don't think you want that <laughs> So, um, <laughs> uh, but, but again, congratulations on that one. But I just, oh, yay! I, I, I implore everyone who doesn't know what that means to Google it later. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a thing. It does, you know, Certainly. these things do happen, and yeah. you know, I've had friends that that has happened to. So I was, you know, I, you're like, oh, this. I don't place. know. Yeah, no, somehow I it was in my head. But, but at what point do you get? out of your head to come up with a reason and start thinking, I don't know what this is, but it needs to be attended to. Well, there were two things that made me kind of start to get a little bit scared about this. If you're injecting insulin, but have no interest in an insulin pump, and you'd like to have some of the features that insulin pumps have, you can with InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. You see, the InPen has an application that goes on your phone, and then it connects to the pen through Bluetooth. That gives you a communication between the application and the pen, and then suddenly, oh, voila, you've got yourself some great functionality. For instance, the InPen can help you calculate the right insulin dose to take. 
When making a dose recommendation, the system considers your current blood sugar reading, estimated carbohydrate intake, and insulin on board. You can work with your doctor to get the device set up to help ensure that your dose recommendations are accurate. Here's something else that the Impen does. Dose tracking. That means that the system records your insulin doses in a logbook on your phone, making tracking doses easier. The digital logbook can easily be emailed or faxed to your provider before each appointment. You can also print a copy to take with you, have it in hand, as they say. Listen, I know you hear about people using insulin pumps and there's these cool features and you think, well, I'm MDI, I can't get that. But you can with the InPen. InPen also keeps track of how much insulin is still working in your body. That's your active insulin from your previous doses. It keeps track of that. And that helps you to avoid lows that may result from stacking. InPenToday.com. That's all you got to do. Head over there to get started. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. What do your test strips really cost you? Could be that it's too much. Insurance may not be the best way to buy your test strips. Find out if Contour Next One and the test strips that come with it may be right for you. Isn't that crazy? That you might be able to buy your test strips in cash and it be less expensive than you're paying through insurance? Well, that would be worth looking into, wouldn't it? I mean, yes, it would. But what about if you're also thinking, I don't even know what meter I have. Like, uh, what is it called, right? Maybe I have that one. I don't know. You don't. If you had the Contour Next One blood glucose meter, you would know. Do you want to know why? Because every time you looked at it, you would think, this is the best damn meter I've ever seen in my life, and it's super accurate, and I'm super excited, which is almost word for word what I think every time I see Arden's Contour Next One meter. Really is super easy to hold to use uh, at night or during the day. It's got a bright light. It's got a great screen for reading, even in the sunshine. The testing is accuracy personified. It's just the most accurate meter I've ever used. The test strips are fantastic. They offer second chance in case you hit the blood but don't get enough. You can go back in, get more without ruining the test strip or the accuracy of the test. It's a big deal. I don't think enough of us put effort or time into knowing about the meter that we have. Mostly it's just this thing the doctor gives you and you take it and don't think twice. But you could make the tiniest effort and get yourself a great meter, an accurate meter, the Contour Next one. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. You can buy it right there on that link or find out more check into how much the test strips might cost you in cash. It's maybe one of the best setup websites I've ever seen. I was on vacation with my family. I have two a husband and two kids and they're, they're teenagers. Um, so we were on vacation and we were driving, we had like a, I don't know, we were driving from one place to another on this vacation. And before we got in the car, I had a cheeseburger, fries, and a Dr. Pepper. And it wasn't like supersized any of those things. I just, um, I just, the regular size, yeah. I had lunch. And in the car, we got in the car and then we were driving and I realized 
Um, I am so thirsty. I drank my water bottle. I drank my husband's water bottle and I took the water bottles away from both of my kids. So I drank a gallon of water to follow up that. I mean, it was literally a gallon of water. I'm sorry. I have to, um, fight off a burglar say something i have to fight off um an impending low let me go ahead get let me have a couple of skittles here take your time what's your blood sugar well it's 91 but i am double down so is this adrenaline does adrenaline hit you like this some people it gets backwards it doesn't drive them down no Probably not. I usually go up when I'm nervous. Okay. Um, but what happened was I just had breakfast and I may have missed my bolus. I over maybe a little bit for right. it. I have to tell you while you're chewing on your Skittles that um, I've come to realize that the older type, like the adult type ones that come on, even some of the kids, they don't want their blood sugars to be high when they're on the podcast. I didn't realize that until a couple of people started mentioning it over and over again. Did you have any pressure like that? Like, I don't want my blood sugar to be out of range while I'm talking about my diabetes. <laughs> I did not want it to. Yes, I did not want my <laughs> Dexcom alarm to go off during the. Yes, for sure. <laughs> because of the beeping or because you didn't want me to think that you weren't in range. Yeah, I didn't want you to think that I, I right. didn't have things so, under control so after having listened to. Okay. 300 episodes of the podcast <laughs> 300 Lori, they're 460 you better keep moving oh, but um okay. they're let's say while Lori's again eating her skittles please stop doing that when you guys come on the show you really don't have to it's okay <laughs> one time somebody's just gonna pass out and be like i was very aggressive before i was on the podcast i don't that is not necessary but i appreciate everyone's feelings but you don't have to do that um like, take your time <laughs> well, like let's, you. let's stop your double hours down first and how well does skittles work for you Oh yeah, Skittles are the best. Like you feel um, very comfortable about the treatment you just made for even for ninety one two down. Um yeah, I had like how many did I have? I had about seven. Mm-hmm. So I usually do that to get it to flatten out and then see what happens because if I eat ten or fifteen, sometimes it's too much. So gotcha. We'll see. Double down is uh, not a good place, but oh, now I'm, oh yeah, now I'm starting. Okay. So yeah, I'm actually, now I'm 84 and diagonal down. So I probably ate about the right amount. Good for you. So it it was going to slow down anyway. So. All right. And you feel okay? I'm good. All right. How did you figure out how to do that? Did the podcast help you figure that out? Oh, of course. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I, um, well, yeah, I mean. I am, yeah, uh, you know, you don't have to stick to this stuff they tell you like, well, you know, you got to have 15 and wait 15 minutes and, you know, you don't have to stick to any, the podcast helped me kind of relax and be like, Hey, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to follow these rules. You can, you can figure it out for yourself and then, you know. Now, sometimes I screw it up real bad. No, sure. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Uh, Everyone messes it up. That's, that's you know, that just happens. I, I've had, uh, I've gotten Arden through pasta the last couple of days really well. And I was like, wow. I was even like just happy when it was over. Like, it, I, I wouldn't want people to think that it's just like, oh, okay. 
this this one. I mean, she ate something difficult, and I thought, I hope I get this right. And uh, it's wor- and it worked out, and I was like, hey, you know, it's it's not easy. But so you're basically, even though you're two hours down, you're using like bumping techniques. Like you're just trying to bump yourself back up. You're giving yourself enough of something to stop mm-hmm. the arrows without over treating yourself. That's the goal right here. Oh yeah, that's yeah. and that's always the challenge. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've had enough. I, I guess I've messed it up enough to 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 know not to overtreat that yeah. <laughs> because then you end up kind of going up and down and it's just awful. Yeah. The, ch- the chasing is though. I think chasing is the worst thing that you can do because you just, you can never win when you're chasing unless you're just like really so good at it that you can, I mean, there's a way to stop those bounces, but it's not easy to do if you don't understand the whole thing. And it comes in time, like in time, everybody can figure out how to do it. But in the beginning, if you're chasing, you'll chase forever. And I see it happen. There are some people who will get caught in that loop and never get out of it their whole life. Just this is diabetes. I'm always out flying up or I'm always flying down. I'm always scared or I'm or I always don't feel good. So it's it doesn't need to be that way. So I'm sorry. So the question, are you OK? So anyway. question? <laughs> no, this was great. Listen, if you can't have a low blood sugar on this podcast, there's nowhere in the world for you to do it. So this is. Awesome. <laughs> That's true. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to understand this. Yeah, yeah. There's um, not one person judging you right now. Everybody's just like, oh, Lori's low. We'll wait for the answer to that question. It's fine. Um, yeah. yeah, so the question really is, is what what pushed you oh. to actually go to a doctor and say, hey, I don't know what's happening to me. Yeah. Okay. So so one part of the story was, you know, I I realized that day I was sitting in the car and I drank everybody's water. I took water away from my children. That's how bad it was. <laughs> You're and not was thirsty. Like, Mommy's thirsty. <laughs> You are not, you are not as thirsty as me. So, and then, then of course we had to stop three times so that I could pee. Of course, Mm -hmm. you know, that was the, so then I was kind of like, man, that's weird. You know, that is weird, you know, but I kept thinking, well, that's weird. And, and because it was so dramatic that time, um, you know, I was like, wow, that's dramatic. Okay. The second thing that happened, um, was that when we were on that same vacation, I was like, man, my jeans are loose. What is with this? You know, I, you know, am I losing weight? Right. So, and my husband was kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe you are losing weight. You do seem a little thin, Hmm. but you know, I, we don't have a scale. (laughs) We don't have a scale because we're active. I just, my weight has been really, really stable for a really long time. And I, we just don't have a scale at the house. Yeah. So I, I never weigh myself. But when we were on vacation, the gym at the hotel had a scale. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to step on the scale and see what my weight is. Right. So I stepped on the scale and I'm like, uh, you know, so I'm 5'5 five five and my normal weight is about 125, 130. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I'm thin, but I'm not super skinny. Right. And... So I get on this scale and it reads 115. So I'm like, oh, I'm quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> I've lost yeah. some weight. That's why my jeans don't fit. Right. You know, or you know, now, um, ten pounds on your frame would be would be obvious. I would think it's just tough when you're around people all the time. It's hard to see. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> when you see somebody every day, you don't notice it. Like Arden looked like, I look back now and Arden looked like a two-year-old runway model. You, you know, like you could see her ribs and it just, it, it was, um, it was shocking to look back on it afterwards, but I couldn't somehow see it coming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, you know, and I, I think my husband didn't notice either because it was just gradual. It was, you right. know, over a period of time exactly. or whatever. And my kids, of course, didn't notice. They're teenagers. They, they have better things to worry about. And then, you know, I didn't notice until my jeans were loose. And my clothing not fitting is a big um, noticeable thing. Right. So, But then does that make you think I have cancer? Well, it made me think... That, you know, th- that is not a symptom of menopause. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think weight loss is part of something that happens in menopause or age or whatever. I'm like, everybody that I know that has gone through menopause, they got heavier, not less heavy. You know, they didn't lose weight. This is your engineer brain, Lori. You realize that, right? That you're not leaping. You're walking through step by step. By it's a, it, it's, you're lucky you didn't kill yourself going through the 9,000 steps that were possible before you got to what you uh, to what you yeah. figured out. You're like, okay, check that off. That didn't work. Now we're going to turn screw number three, six, seven thousand to see what happens there. Like you, you really are going through it so slowly, but I imagine that's what makes you good at your job. Um, but yeah. So, okay, so menopause, no, weight loss doesn't come with menopause. I'm going to go to the doctor? Yeah. Okay. So I'm eating six more Skittles. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, listen. To make sure that this flattens out. I want to tell and, you, no one's ever passed out on the show. But oh, good. I do believe it would be a ratings grabber. So, I, But I don't want you to do it. <laughs> Are you okay? Do you need, like, yeah. uh, you're all right? I'm just still diagonal down. and. Are you are you 74 now? I'm 78 diagonal down. Is anyone so I'm really impressed still that I fine. Could, is any, no one's, Laura, you're in a, an emergency situation, so you don't have time to be impressed that I knew your blood sugar, even though I don't <laughs> know you just from the scenario. <laughs> but the people listening are right now are like, God damn, Scott knew her blood sugar. <laughs> I know. That's pretty good. That's, <laughs> Thank you. If you're diagonal down, we can calculate in the amount of time we've been talking how what her blood sugar probably is at this point. Again, that's pretty good. That's fascinating between you and I. I didn't calculate anything. I'm unaware of the time. (laughs) I just have a feeling for it. Like when I, I, when you said when you were when you were stopping double down arrow double arrows down with that many skittles, I thought "Mm, that's probably not going to work. And then you leveled out, and I was like, all right, maybe she knows better than I did. But then when you said you were going for another Skittle, I was like, yeah, she's got to be 20, pa- 20 points lower now, <laughs> like maybe 15 to 20 points lower now. And it's a diagonal, it's a diagonal down arrow because you did take the, the ass out of those arrows a little bit. Like you took, a, yeah. you took some of the momentum out of it, but you didn't, you didn't squash it. So you still have, if you did seven and maybe seven more, do you know your carb ratio off the top of your head? Um... At this time of day, let's see, it's 9 30. Uh this time of day, I'm six to one. So it's <laughs> but um so I'm gonna say you probably used two units too much in your meal, or you didn't bolus, you didn't pre-bolus enough and you used a little too much. Which do you think? Well, I was high. 
I at the start of my meal? So I was like, so I went up. Um, so yeah, so it was a complicated morning for me, which mm-hmm. is why this is happening. Sure. <laughs> so I swam this morning. Okay. And then, um, and when I, and I, it was a short swim, but it was still 30 minutes with insulin off. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I, and what happens always immediately after I plug back in and then I bolus because you have to bolus the missed insulin, the missed basal. And then um, that I miss a lot. And then I was nervous about the show. (laughs) So there was a little adrenaline. So that that drove it a little higher after the swim. And then I... um, so I was about two, I was 240. So then I you bolus- also the, wanted the adrenaline, to eat. And so- then you and I started talking and you got more comfortable and the adrenaline part went away and you still had the insulin left over plus the meal bolus. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's probably yeah. what happened. L- yep. L- Lori, I, just say no if it's not okay. But can I say where I think you work? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to mention that later, all but right, yes. right. let's get to it now because it's insane that you're nervous. Do you work at NASA? Yeah. So I, well, <laughs> I work at the jet propulsion laboratory, which is a NASA laboratory. JPL. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. Right. Is that, that's where you're at? Yeah. The, yeah. Okay. The jet propulsion lab. So, um, it's in Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, I worked on, um, I, I actually work, um, with people from all over NASA. Um, and so, you know, I, I do contribute to the human space flight aspects and then also um, the stuff that JPL does in house, which is the Mars missions and all the robotic missions that, um, uh, that JPL does that you often hear about on the news and stuff. So it's, it's, it's fun. It's a fun job. But but you were, <laughs> but you were nervous about coming on my rinky dink podcast about type one diabetes. <laughs> Yes, because I, <laughs> yes, because I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm new to diabetes. I'm like, that's I've been doing, I've been doing engineering for a long time for NASA and that's just, you know, a day at the office, but, 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 but this but, is new, <laughs> but engineering about rockets that shoot people into space. Not like, not like engineering about whether my, my, my door unseats when I crack the door handle on my car or not like real, like you see what I'm getting at, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> how did it I, does require some much more precision? Yes. You would imagine. Um, how did I do with my interview with April? Did you hear it? Yeah. She was. She the one that was at um, J- Johnson Space Center. She's the one in Houston. Yeah. She's. She was the. I did hear that one. On control officer. Yeah. I, yeah. I, was I too geeky about space there? Do you think? <laughs> It was fine. I, was, I thought that was fine. It was really, it was a really interesting um, podcast. Actually, the area in which she works, um, the mission control aspects, I don't know anything about that. That so that all of that stuff, it was really interesting yeah. how she got into that and you know her work. I thought, yeah, that was a great, um, that was a great one. Uh, I did hear that. I one. just want, yeah. I just wanted to know if like you were just like, oh. Uh. It was terrible. You did such a bad job. I asked all the wrong questions. And, no. Uh, uh, but you, again, your engineering brain is so obvious here. So, um, yeah, is it? Okay. It really is. So it, it, and the, the part that's fascinating to me is I don't understand why you like the podcast if that's how your brain works. How are you and I jiving together? I, this is the thing I'm really interested in. Oh, um, 
I, I, oh, I don't know. Actually, I have never thought about that. Yeah, um, you don't think in pictures, right? Like in pictures, I it depends. Well, graphs, yeah. Um, so is there a part of me that's technical really, enough that you do you see what I'm saying? Like, I talk about, like, I don't know, use more insulin, bump it back this way, nudge it over there. Like, none of that is how your brain works for, for engineering. And it seems in your personal life, because we kind of listen to you try to figure out that you had diabetes the way an engineer would try to figure something out. And so then you bump into a podcast where a fast talking guy who doesn't have type one diabetes is saying things like, oh, just trust that, you know, what's going to happen is going to happen. And you're like, right on. Like, I don't like I don't understand how you didn't go. No, this isn't for me. I got to go. Well, I guess I don't think your show is not technical. I think it is technical. I think um, I mean, well, I I'll tell you what I don't like, and your show doesn't do this. Um, what I don't like is, um, you know, the minimal to zero information that I got from my um, endocrine, from the medical establishment, I guess. Right. Um, I, I, you know, oh, you know, give it, take 15 grams of carbs to get over your low and wait 15 minutes. Well, you know, I did that at first and that's terrible. I'm like, that doesn't work at all. You know, you're way, sometimes it, sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes it's enough. Right. Um, or, and sometimes it's way too much. And so, um, I guess what I feel like I learned from the podcast is really, um, the, the, the idea that no, um, no, go and figure out what is working for you and what's not and pay attention to what happens when you take, um, more carb, you know, when you are, when you, when you're watching your Dexcom data, you're watching yourself drop, look at, you know, how fast are you dropping? Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, what has happened in the past and try to figure out, okay, what makes sense for me to do in the next 10 minutes to fix this, either go up or go down or whatever, but don't just be static about it. So I, I guess that idea is not in the medical establishment. I mean, they want to give you a formula, which, you know, when you're first diagnosed, yeah, a formula makes sense and is easy to understand and people can connect with it. But really, you know, there's a lot more sophistication and, you know, even if it is a experiential sophistication that you get by, um, you know, just, just testing things out with yourself. I mean, that's much more engineering than a cut and dried formula that you would learn in maybe the ninth grade. So when you, when somebody hands you a formula and it doesn't prove, then you don't trust it anymore and you know, it's it doesn't work. Right. And that's it. Are you, how are you, how's your blood sugar, by the way? I, oh yeah, it's funny because gosh, I was like, wow, can he see me? Um, swiping my phone to get my no, I can hear, I can I can hear your concern, and you stammered a couple of times, which you didn't do in the first twenty minutes. So that's why I'm asking if you're all right. Oh, I, I am fine. Uh, well, what do you think it is? Let me ask you. Right. <laughs> Maybe you can. Well, so how many how many skittles did you have the second time? 
Um, I had, I think I had five or six. I'm going to guess you're 85 to 89 and stable. Okay, I am stable, okay. uh, but I'm I leveled out at seventy seven. You're seventy seven still. Okay, let's see what happens. So I'm I'm level at seventy seven, which is good. But no, I um. Did you check with I a meter? A lot of, or do you? Want I do to? a lot of hesitating in my speech anyway, so okay. <laughs> that right. may not be related to a lower. <laughs> good. Do you do you want to check with a meter? Or are you are you comfortable? Oh no, I. You're good. The, the Dex is always accurate. So oh, look at you loving Dexcom. Good. Excellent. Dexcom.com forward slash. Yes. Uh, so. <laughs> well, if they need if they need me to talk them up, I will. <laughs> well, well then so okay. So you go to the hospital, you get diagnosed, they don't give you great information. You leave with needles and a meter? Oh no, it was nothing like that, no? actually. I called my general doctor and said, you know, I need to come in. I, they were like, okay, you can have an appointment in two weeks. So in two weeks I went in um, and then the rest, then what happened from that point forward was extremely similar to another guest that you had on that was diagnosed at 44. I think her name was Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I think that episode just came out a couple days ago or last week, but anyway, um, I went in. They were like, oh, you're, you know, you're really healthy. You look great. You know, you're not overweight. They checked me for all the same stuff I had been thinking about, you know, that I knew were good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you know, you look great. You know, why are you here? And I'm like, well, you know, I've been peeing a lot and I also drink a lot of water, which, you know, maybe I'm just old. I try to want, I, when I was in there, I kind of wanted to poo-poo it because it sounds so ridiculous, right? Saying I have, <laughs> it's like, I think oh, I have... you know, I'm peeing a lot and I'm <laughs> drinking a lot of water. But, and I said, but, you know, but then, you know, I started, I realized I had lost about 15 pounds and the doctor got up and ran out of the room and, and yelled at the nurse, can you bring a blood meter in here? Mm-hmm. Came in, took my blood sugar. Oh, it's 413. So he looks at me and he says, well, you have diabetes. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But, but I didn't do the stuff they said not to do. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. I, um, so I, I would imagine that's how a non-smoker feels when they get lung cancer. They're just like, wait, are you kidding me? Like I didn't do the thing that's supposed to make this happen. And uh, God, how was it in that moment? He says those words. How do you feel? I was, I wanted to tell him that that was ridiculous. I was like, there's no way that I have diabetes mm-hmm. because I didn't know anything about diabetes. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, I ran a marathon three months ago and I, you know, I, you know, I'm swim, I bike, I, you know, I triathlons, I'm active, right. I'm not overweight. You know, I'm thinking, I was, I was like, I, there's no way I have diabetes. And I'm like, and so what I actually said to him was, well, isn't there more to this diagnosis? I mean, you just check my blood sugar with a meter. Isn't there more you need to do Mm -hmm. to diagnose it? And he was like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, lady, you have diabetes. (laughs) Great. Great. I mean, I was like, well, that can't be right. And he looked at me and he goes, you know, I really don't think you have type two, 
but I don't know. And I'm going to have, and I'm like, type, type two, type one, you know, I was confused. You know, I had never researched this. I kind of vaguely heard about this. And But diabetes, Wilford Brimley, that's what you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. right. It's a guy kind of looks like a walrus with a big mustache. He has diabetes. That's diabetes. I don't know what the hell the rest of this is. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I know. So he, what he do? He went and looked for. Uh, well, he's anybody. He's he didn't say anything. He goes, well, look, come back tomorrow. We we do blood work here in the office. Come back in the office and we'll do a blood draw. Make it a fasting blood draw. So I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, how yeah, can you check my cholesterol too? You know, while you're at it, because you know, 49. So he's like, yeah, of course. (laughs) So, um, so I go in, I get my blood draw and he's like, okay, two days later, he calls me and he says, uh, you need to come back in. (laughs) I go back in. He's like, well, your A1C is 13.1. So your blood sugar has been real high for a real long time. Mm -hmm. So you are pretty sick do you feel okay? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like, you know, I guess, you know, what do you, he's like, are you tired? You know, do you feel nauseated? Do you feel anything? You know, I would have said, I I feel irritated. You didn't ask me this two days ago. I can tell you that much. Well, well, and then, then there was a a beat, you know, there was like a pause in the conversation. He's just looking at me and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I feel okay. You know, whatever. I got to go pick up my kids. So, you know, is there something I should do? And he looks at me and he says, I'm trying to decide if I should send you to the hospital or not. Right. And I'm like the hospital. That's ridiculous. I'm, you know, I walked in, I drove over here, walked in the office. Why would I need to go to the hospital? Well, so he's like, he just said, okay, I, I need you to contact, here's an endocrinologist. Um, you know, I know this, ind- you know, he talked about the, he knew, he knew this endocrinologist. So call them, see if you can get an appointment as soon as humanly possible. And I want to see you in three days. Oh, okay. And don't eat any carbs at all. Eat no carb. You can have no sugar and no carbs. Oh, I'm like, okay, so. You know, does that just leave me with bacon or? Yeah, exactly. Celery you know? <laughs> and ham? Is it celery and ham I'm eating? Like, what, could you be more specific? Yeah. yeah. Especially you just so, asked about your cholesterol, too. He's like, go home and have a cheeseburger. Don't put it on a roll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, actually, my cholesterol was fine. So Good he goes, you. yeah, your cholesterol is fine. So, you know, Eat we're going <laughs> to, you can have the meat part of the burger. I'm like, the meat part? <sighs> What's going to hold the mustard? You know, so it's <laughs> just kind of. So. I called the endocrinologist. I, I radically changed my diet. So then, of course, I felt terrible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, because I'm eating only meat and cheese. Yeah. Your stomach gets um, a little so, upset. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Did, did your stomach not do okay with that? No, my energy level just tanked. Oh, okay. Um, but, you know, I got, you know, he, he hooked me up with a meter. So take metformin and here's a meter. So... Mm-hmm. I start taking the metformin. Um, I called the endocrinologist and now I'm checking my blood sugar with a meter, you know, you know, twice a day, three times a day. So I'm religiously three times a day checking my blood sugar and it's 300, 250. I'm like, Oh, it's 250. That's great. It's low. 
coming down. <laughs> I'm fascinated that he was pretty certain you didn't have type 2 diabetes, but gave you metformin. And didn't know that if he sent you to the hospital, you'd leave the hospital with insulin. It's like he knew some of it, but not enough of it. Right. Yeah. I think he just really did not want to. Well, he really wanted me to go to this endocrinologist. And I'm like, well, I called the inter- endocrinologist and they said I can have an they said they have an appointment available in six weeks. And I, so I called him back and I'm like, can this wait six weeks? You know, I was kind of at this point, I was scared. Right. Because I'm like, oh, God, right, you know. Right. I don't know what this is. I don't know what to do. I've read stuff on the internet. I've watched the YouTube videos. I'm like, what am I gonna, you know, what does this mean? So he, so he calls the endocrinologist and gets me an appointment for a week later. And he goes, come back to my office. I went back and then he gives me um, Lantus. So he's like, I, I, the blood tests that I ran show that you have autoimmune diabetes. So that's type one. And he talked about the blood tests and told me what it was. And, um, but you know, he, and so he said, okay, so take a shot, take 10 units of this once a day at bedtime, which is the same thing that they told your other guest, Carrie, which is funny because when I heard her story, I was like, wow, that is super similar. Well, why? And also, um, oddly, why not in the morning? Like, why tell you to take insulin that you're not 100% sure how it's going to work on somebody and then tell them to go to sleep? That seems weird to me, too. Yeah, it's super scary now. Yeah. And there's another super scary thing about this that happened, <laughs> which is... I asked him, I said, you know, I've heard that people on insulin have, can go low when they're exercising, you know, is that possible? And he said, no, um, this is such a low amount of insulin that you cannot go low on this. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I should have said, you know what? Hold my beer. Yeah. Are you certain? <laughs> uh, Cause I bet you I can tell me something now. What's your basal rate now that you're on a pump? Oh. <gasps> What is my basal rate? Oh, my basal rate. Yeah, I'm like, a I'm a uh, half a unit an hour. Half a unit an hour. So you're getting about yeah. 12 units of basal a day. Yeah. All right. Well, he might not have been far off, but still, it's not the point. Like, you know, when somebody gets diagnosed and they go to the hospital, you get put on an insulin drip, you get brought down very slowly, you know, they get you level, and then they start working on insulin. You just don't throw it in and you know, it I don't know. It sounds like your doctor knew enough to be dangerous and not enough to help you. It's interesting. And not un, that's not uncommon. It's not even a dig on him. It just is, or her, it just is how it, it's how it goes, really. So did you get low off your 10 of Lannis? I imagine you did. Because now you're low. Yeah, right away. Yeah, eating, so I. You're eating low carb too, right? Well, yeah. So I'm eating no carbs. Now I'm eating no carbs. And, you know, my pancreas is still kind of working, working a little bit. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was still kind of honeymooning kind of period. And I, you know, so I'm eating no carbs. I'm trying to run. So what happened was I, I got like, I think I had been on it one or two days and I am, I get, I run, I managed to run about a mile and a half away from the house And I, you know, I'm feeling bad. So I get my meter out. I have my meter with me. I get my meter out, test my blood. I'm like, oh, um, 
crap, it says 55. That's lower than 250. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, so I didn't know what to do. I'm like, I don't think I can make it back to the house. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, I didn't have any sugar with me. Of course. <laughs> Just didn't know what you were doing. Yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. And he told me I couldn't get low. So. Right. It was you like know. he said, he's like, he hands you a 22 and goes, it's just a 22. You probably can't kill yourself with this. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, oh, yeah, watch this. Um, what did you do? Did you call an Uber or did you call? Your I family? called my husband. Yeah. I called my husband to come get me, you know, come get me. Um, I told him where I was. He came and got me. And I'm like, and bring like, so I, again, I didn't think I could eat carbs. So I was like, bring bacon or I can't, or cheese. I don't know. I can't, I told him bring some kind of thing with no carbs in it. Right. I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. I, you know, this is not funny. And yet I can picture <laughs> your husband rummaging around for a cheese stick or something in the, in the refrigerator before he goes to pick you up, probably thinking to himself, like, what is happening? You, you know, <laughs> just, and scared. And, and did he come with cheese? <laughs> Please tell me. Yeah, he did. He, he did. He brought, he brought cheese and like, um, like a carrot or something. So the carrot was probably <laughs> I don't know a good why idea. I'm laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. God. I I now I look back on that because now you know when I run or swim or bike or do anything, I am, you know, I'm. You don't bring a carrot with you. <laughs> well, I don't bring a carrot. You know, I bring my Skittles. I bring my goo. I bring you know, Gatorade. I mean, you know, I would right. never you know, do this. I mean, oh my God. So yeah. So it was super, you know, it was, I just didn't know what I was doing. I just laughed so hard. My nose ran. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just, I don't know why, like the, the vision of this poor guy, like, you know, you're sitting on the sidewalk and he's digging around frantically for probably the last thing in the world that's going to help you bringing it. Like it's the, it's, it's the Messiah lifesaver for you, you know? (laughs) And uh, he's like, here, here's cheese, which doesn't even have meat in it. So it's not like you could eat it and like later turn it into glucose. It would just, it would just go in there forever and sit there. It It was just fat. Yeah, I know. I I mean, I think he brought a, he might've brought a carrot or something, but like, it it was like something else that would take a long time. A lot of fiber. It would take forever. Have neither of you ever seen a movie where somebody gets low blood sugar? (laughs) That's that's my next question. Only steel magnolias, right? Yeah. (laughs) like he didn't bring your orange juice or something like that all right so okay well that's insane how do you make it to the endocrinologist then yeah so i get to the endocrinologist and they're like and they were great you know mm-hmm. they were like okay so yes we're gonna keep you on the lantus they gave me you know so i'm on the the pins right so they're like but no no mention was made of bolusing right i mean okay. nothing they didn't say bolus they didn't say honeymoon i had to find out about honeymoon on my own yeah. but they did you know a real thorough checkup and you know check my blood sugar at that time and i don't know i mean i guess you know they they helped me in some ways but in other ways they didn't so one thing they did tell me right away which of course by this point i already knew is they're like Oh, you need, if you get low, you know, (laughs) eat sugar, (laughs) eat fast sugar, eat, you know, and then they explained to me what that was. Um, But, you know, I, I still didn't meet with a diabetes educator. I've never met with a diabetes educator, which is just everything that I have learned. I had to learn on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I went home, I watched YouTube videos, I read stuff online, I started listening to your podcast, which I accidentally found um, because I don't have any friends. I nobody I knew had this. Yeah. Right. How I, did you I accidentally have... find the podcast real quick, just so I know how to make other people accidentally find it? Oh, um, well, I I found it online. So I was doing an online search, and then I found Arden's Day okay. the Juice Box Podcast website. Good. And then I'm like, oh, there's a podcast. Gotcha. I'm just, I'm <laughs> so, just, I'm just okay. I'm just reminding myself to keep my search engine optimization up. Uh, okay. Because oh. <laughs> that's how you found it. That's how you you googled it and found it because it has the, the site has strong uh, SEO, so it, it pops up earlier in in. Uh, searches like that 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 mm-hmm. simply um you live in california right you said yeah you're yeah. not from there though are you no can you tell where i'm from from my <laughs> i want to say you're from somewhere between texas and north carolina in that space <laughs> yeah that's a good guess in the south okay. yeah um i'm actually i'm from texas originally okay. yeah i'm from dallas and so yeah, you don't you don't speak like you're from California. I mean, you do a little bit. It seems like it feels like you took Texas and ran it through like a scrubber a couple of times is how it feels. Uh, but but yeah. also also you don't speak uh, the the people who are from California talk quickly like people from the East Coast. And, oh. and you don't have that <laughs> as much. So I was like, that's not where she's from. Uh, but. <laughs> I don't know why I care about that. Just I probably just to make myself feel like, oh wow, you were right, Scott. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can. People ask me about that a lot. Actually, I mean, mm-hmm. I've I've lived here for twenty five years, mm-hmm. but I actually I'm I'm originally, but I I didn't I came here as an adult to California, yeah. so You're a I, bit I grew of a up blend. in Texas. You're just a blend, and I it, it, I would say I would have guessed you've lived in California for a long time, but um, yeah, that's. But my point is, is that. You're not going to like a free clinic on the same street with like a methadone clinic, right? Like you're going to a doctor's office that you would imagine you'd be getting some sort of valuable information from. I really wish that now, no, I, of course I have great insurance. So, you know, um, I really wish that they had sent me to the hospital because if they had if my original, my, my general doctor, if he had just sent me to the hospital that day that he was thinking about that, yep. that would have helped a lot. I would have gotten a ton of information and help. Um, and how much time passed between that moment and when you started getting it together? Probably a couple weeks. Would you, um, looking back, would you describe that time as Stressful, painful, like how would you think of it? Uh, it's probably it was pretty stressful. I was, yeah. I was scared because I didn't know. I knew I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I knew I needed help, mm-hmm. and I did not know the best way to get it. I did not know what I needed to insist on. So all I knew to do was to educate myself. So I actually read a couple of books in that time period too. Um, which helped. Um, and then, you know, I did stuff, I, you know, online, you always got to be so careful because sometimes stuff is just stupid online, you know, or, but the YouTube videos helped, right? I mean, I was, I was really stressed. I was kind of sad and scared that I had this, Mm -hmm. 
Um, but you know, I'm like on YouTube, I go to YouTube and I'm like, Oh, well, if diabetic Danica can be this cheerful and cute and, you know, be informative. Well, I I guess I could probably survive. (laughs) I mean, you know, I, I had to kind of really, I, I just remember being hopelessly distracted, you know, like I couldn't work. I really couldn't do much with the family. I was really focused on this for a couple of weeks, but at the end of it, um, I knew what I wanted. So when I got to the endocrinologist, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, you have type one and blah, blah, blah. And they were explaining it. And I'm like, I want a G I want a Dexcom. Can I get the G six? Right. And they were like, oh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. And I'm like, nope, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. I want, does you know, if my insurance will pay for it, then I want this. And they were like, okay, well, since you're running and all that, sure. So I got the Dexcom uh, right away. I mean, like, I think I was maybe six weeks in. <laughs> I, had, I had a Dexcom. Real quick. That's excellent. Yeah. and And because you educated yourself and you pushed for it, and you thought if there's a girl on YouTube that can be bubbly about this, then why can't I be happy too? <laughs> yeah. I was like, look at all these people on YouTube. They're like living normal lives. Yeah. They're, they're uh, fine. You know, is they're... there a rocket flying slightly to the left right now because of how distracted you were? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, so far they haven't linked it to me. If so, <laughs> we were trying for Mars and we hit Venus. That was weird. What happened? <laughs> Lori got the diabetes a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the <beaties> now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, that's well, good for you. I mean, honestly, in being serious, the amount of effort that you needed to put into it, like, listen, we could say everybody should put that kind of effort in, but everyone's not going to put that kind of effort in. You're a success story, and that mo- and you have to understand that most people don't end up having that success. They fall apart somewhere through. You know, you keep throwing roadblocks up in front of people and telling them, you know, you're the doctor, you understand, and things start going badly for them. They just imagine that's life. And and then you lose those people. And and maybe some of them never find their way out of it again. You were, you know, you're a, a studious person to begin with. So you just kind of turned that on to diabetes and, and picked your way through it. But of all the things that you found, um, I'm the best thing, right? You're one of the best things because I, what you have taught me is that, you know, it's, it's timing and amount (laughs) Mm -hmm. that that's a big one. Um, and you know, and also, you know, you might develop rules for yourself for different things, but always be questioning that and gathering data Mm -hmm. and you can either write it down if you can't remember or keep it in your head, but basically, you know, try to pull all of your experience together to help figure out what to do when you're low or high, or when you're faced with a food that's difficult. Right. And I, I, I still make a ton of mistakes, but it's a lot easier when you don't feel like, well, the doctor said I can't correct for this correction. (laughs) I mean, well, I'm 300 and I, because I, I overcorrected my low and, 
now I've got, I guess, according to the doctor, I have to sit here for four hours, you know, before it'll slowly start to drop down yeah. by itself. Why do that to your, you know, the, why is that the rule? Don't make that the rule. So I, yeah, I mean, that, that's, um, well, I'm glad really I really am significant it, it, thing. It, it shouldn't look, look yesterday was Easter <sighs> the day before I got up in the morning and um, I got an email from a woman about a week or so ago. And she's like, I have a four-year-old, you know, um, I'm in trouble here. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you help me? And I thought, uh, she hit all my heartstrings, like, you know, and, uh-huh. I, and I was getting ready to say, sure, like, send me your number. I'll call you. I can talk you through it. And instead I said, can I talk you through it while we record it? And she said, yeah, sure. So Saturday morning, I talked to her for 45 minutes or an hour. And I tried really hard to just talk to her the way I would have spoken to her on the phone. Not like, you know, because when you're on the podcast, you're, you're trying to be polite because there are different people in the world. You're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. But if I'm talking to you one on one, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly direct, which um, you may be thinking, oh, God, Scott, are you not being direct on the podcast? There's more direct. But, you know, <laughs> like I, I am, I'm, I'm incredibly direct. And so I got on with her. I tried to put it out of my head that I was recording myself. I walked her through it. And I said, all right, send me your CGM. I'm going to watch it. And then we'll get back together in a couple of days, which we're going to do, I think, tomorrow or the next day. And we'll record again just for 20 minutes to kind of button it up. Well, it turned out as I'm talking to her, their son isn't just four and hasn't just not, you know, had diabetes for just a handful of months, but he's also autistic and not that verbal. And, oh, you know, she's got a yeah. lot of other challenges going on. And I am going to tell you, that I made a small adjustment to the kid's basal insulin, kid's MDI. I explained uh-huh. to her how to pre-bolus the meals because she's like, I can't pre-bolus. And I was like, yeah, you can. And I told her how to do it. And the chart that I looked at this morning when I woke up versus the one I saw on Saturday is it could it just could be two different people. It, and And so if it can be explained to a tired, exhausted, scared mother of a four-year-old autistic kid who's had diabetes for five months by my dumb ass in an hour, then <laughs> someone else ought to be able to accomplish that for a person like you, 49 years old, standing in a doctor's office. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> if that's unreasonable, I'm then I'm unreasonable. But I think it's just everyone's not trying hard enough. Ser- seriously. I mean, how the fuck can I do it and, and your doctor can Lori, I missed 52 days of my senior year of high school. You understand what I'm talking about, right? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, it, well, it, we ain't getting yeah. the space on me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> that isn't happening. Uh, I, you know, it, I mean, I make my own, ba- I am bold enough to, I make my own basal changes. I'll mm-hmm. calculate it myself. My endocrinologist was like, Oh, you made your own changes. I'm like, yeah, because here's what's happening. Here's my calculation. Here's what I figured out. You know, does that seem right to you? And she's like, Oh yeah, that's what I would have done. So yeah. we're good. But actually, I mean, anybody can do it. It's not even hard, <laughs> well, I'll tell but, you- but you have to know that you can, that you, yep. That you should, that you um, need to ask or push even for for it. You know what else is hard for people? It's the per- it's the duplication of percentages. I'm saying I'm not saying that wrong, but there's something about the multiplier that throws people off. So I'm helping a friend right now. So it's somebody I know personally whose you know teenage kid has it, and kid's about 130 pounds, and I'm talking to him. 
they got the basil at 0.45. I'm like, that doesn't seem right to me. So a kid in his oh. teens growing 130 pounds. I'm like, I don't understand how 0.45 could be enough insulin, you know? And they were like, well, yeah, the, you know, the doctor said we can move, like we tried to move it up a little bit. I was like, how far did you move it? They move it like 0.1 at a time. And I was like, I don't know. I'd make the basil like one unit an hour and let's see what happens. Like, I'm like, let's, let's just try it and see what happens this afternoon. And, um, yeah. It was because it was more than double. It, it I might as well have said, you know what we should try? Let's hit him in the head with a sledgehammer and see if that fixes it. Like she was scared out of her mind when I said one unit. And I think it's something about the multiplier. Like if I would have said 0. 0.6, I think that she could have handled. But 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 <laughs> okay. you know what I mean? But there's and that oh. happens to a lot of people. Somehow like oh that's a that's twice as much. And I'm like, yeah, but if he needs it, it's not twice as much it's the amount he needs and and lifelong yeah. lifelong type ones fight with that too like i'm gonna find a way to have a conversation just about this the idea of um i think of myself as a bad diabetic if i'm using too much insulin well how much is too much i don't know more than i more than this amount so they use a little bit have higher blood sugars and a higher a1c but for some reason feel fulfilled because they didn't use much insulin and then if you get them to use more insulin, um, then they get, then they're like, oh, this feels weird. There's a guy that was on the show a long time ago who I know won't mind me mentioning his name, who just went through this again, Donnie. He's fantastic, right? He's had diabetes a long time. He's an adult. And he told me while we were messaging privately, he's like, it seems like so much. I have to get over that it feels like I'm using too much insulin. You're using the amount that your body needs. That's that. Yeah, You know, I don't, I don't. I'm not encumbered by that, but a lot of people are. Yeah. People have been scared to death, I guess. Uh, so this obviously didn't happen to me when my doctor's like, oh yeah, you know, here's some Lantus. You're fine. Just here, just go run. Mm -hmm. But I guess, I mean, people who actually, you know, got educated and had help, you know, got scared out of their wits about it. And that's one of the things that I, I'm not afraid of, because, and I guess, because I had to educate myself on this because I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not all that afraid of it. I mean, I'm like, well, if my, you know, if my basil's too high, I'm going to notice in the middle of the afternoon when I'm drifting down for no particular reason, it's hours after I've eaten, it's hours before I'm going to eat and I'm drifting down. Why would that be? Well, probably my basil's too high. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, or I'm drifting down in the middle of the night, right? I mean, so you, you're going to know. But see, I guess, you know, I've never been so low that because, and maybe this is because, you know, I, I had a CGM so quick, um, you know, I'm, I'm you not feel afraid like you're of it. On <laughs> I have to say, you're low, 91, two arrows down. You've only had diabetes for a couple of years, right? Um, yeah. You were incredibly calm. Are you alone in your house right now? Um, no, because everybody's my son's still doing virtual school, so he's upstairs, and my husband's working from home too, so okay. he's upstairs. But you were you were incredibly calm. Like, what is your blood sugar now? Um, ninety. It is one oh seven. Yeah, good. I mean, ninety, ninety five, oh. hundred, right there. You're perfect. Like you, you handled it really well. Most people would have eaten everything. Those arrows, they would have been like, ah, and then they just would have, you know, I, most people would be in a situation right now, their blood sugar would be 250, one arrow up. 
Ugh. you know, and then you can't get away from that. But but your point is good, which is that, you know, you got it as an adult. You understood the concepts quickly enough. And so you're not running and you haven't had a bad low. So you're not afraid. And, and that's not to disrespect people who lived with this prior to this technology who are always just going to have that memory of I passed out in a restaurant. You, you know what I mean? Like, how are they going to get out? How are they going to shake that? I wouldn't know how. Yeah. I mean, you would have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder 100%. from that, I would think, you, you know, because think. that would just be, yeah, that would be pretty horrible. Yep. I mean, I've, I've had low lows and I have eaten the kitchen before. Right, I've right. done that. It's just. Do you think the bolus afterwards? Oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm like, okay, I'm now diagonal arrow up. So now it's time to bolus right, right. right away. That's a big you know? leap. A lot of people can't make that leap. But it is, it you know, it's, yeah, it, it I, I, I mess it up. I make a lot of mistakes. So maybe that helps. But I, I don't know. But I mean, not, I make you're a not lot af- of mistakes. You're not afraid to make the mistakes and try to figure it out the next time. Well, you can always, I mean... With the CGM, it just gives you a lot of latitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> no, I just really feel like it's that allows me, you know, I would not be doing all of this stuff without a CGM at all. I would, I would be a lot more conservative. So I'm, I don't have to be. Good for um, you. Well, that's, I mean, for anybody who can afford it or get their insurance to cover it or whatever, I mean, I, it would be my it would be my absolute advice to get a CGM. Like it just it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, uh, it really does. Is there anything that we have not talked about that you were hoping to talk about? Um, you know, I guess the only <laughs> you know, I still I you know, so I'm I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm gonna I'm signed up for Iron Man in November. So I'll be doing an Ironman this year. So I've started training for that. And so really, you know, they talk about how triathlons, three disciplines, right? You have the swim, the bike, and the run. I got swim, bike, and run. And now I have diabetes. So I really have four disciplines in this because I've got to be on top of it for the entire race. So if you're if you're not familiar, <laughs> Ironman is a 2.5 uh, mile or 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, followed by a marathon. And you do that in one day. So I have a lot of challenges ahead of me. So I have to try to, I mean, people have done this with diabetes. So, and some of them have done it successfully. And I am going to try to do it this year. Hopefully. Have you ever done it before? I no, not a full. I've done halves. I've done marathons and I've done half, half Ironman races. Why are you doing Um, it? Like just to prove it to yourself or because you want the tattoo, which is it exactly? (laughs) I don't know. I might get the tattoo. Um, (laughs) Actually, um, mostly because I just want to see if I can do it. It's an interesting physical challenge, you know, um, you know, no, it all is. the other races are too, but this is even longer and harder and it's going to be a really big challenge with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully I won't have to curb sit, which that's, you know, which I have occasionally happens still where you have to sit down. You've had too much insulin on board when you 
left the house, you're going to sit on the curb until your blood sugar comes back up and right. eat Skittles. But, you know, are so you, what pump are you using? Are you using a T-Slim? Yeah, I have a T-Slim and um, yeah. Yep. Did you want to and ask? Because you mentioned that you had to disconnect at one point. So I was like, okay, tubed pump. And then I just thought, yeah, rocket lady. She's going to have a T-Slim, not a Medtronic. That was that was my thought process that got me yeah. to ask that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really, I, I do like the T-Slim. But okay. it, yeah, I do disconnect to swim. Um, okay. I've actually swam with it before, which they tell you not to do. But it's it's no problem. Okay. Don't I tell them I said that. Well, but I'm not it, saying that out waterproof. loud. Any of you people <laughs> jump in a pool with your T-Slim and it stops working is not my fault. You called Lori. It's not my fault either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call, call. I'm not saying that. I've never heard that before. Uh, don't blame me. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't know you. Uh, I said, what do they call it? Waterproof, not water, or what? Is oh, it? I forget. Yeah, what, I'm not quite sure what the terms mean exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's anyway. It's it's more than splash proof. I guess is what I want to say. All right. You submerge it. It's gonna be okay. Or mine was maybe it was accidentally okay. But they call it anyway. They call it watertight IPX7, tested to a depth of three feet for up to thirty minutes. This is from support.tandemdiabetes.com. Uh, well, I've tested it longer than that for deeper than that, so <laughs> it's okay. It, well, they just they're just talking about like it's peace of mind for their pump in the event of an accidental submersion. So yeah, yeah. But Lori's just like whatever. I shoot well, I have in. not. I've not dropped it in the toilet, but you know, I'm sure that's what they were thinking of. I, that that kind of an idea. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, you're right. That it probably is what they were thinking of. Like, how do we how do we keep this thing safe for when it takes a swim? Real quick. Um, that's that's uh, that's interesting. Okay, you um, did you? I'm sorry. So you're gonna try this Iron Man? Have how yeah. do you how do you practice for it? How do you try to see if you can? Well. I have a, a long training plan. So, you know, the training plan is just like anybody else's training plan. There's nothing special, but you know, I need to be able during the race to eat and bolus because I can't, um, you know, I can't go the entire day, even though it's intense exercise and long eat. endurance exercise, I will have to eat. You can't go all day without eating. And I'm also going to have to bolus. Um, but the bolus is really different, right? So, you know, it's, um, so I have to, I have a lot of things in my training plan that are extra that I put in there. For example, long hikes. I put a couple of long hikes um, that are, you know, er, what I call urban hikes, because mm -hmm. I live in near Los Angeles. So what's easier is just to walk out the door and, and walk down the, the street, yeah. walk a cup, you know, walk for five hours. But you know, I've, I, the idea is that I can practice, um, and figure out how much less bolus to give myself to account for the exercise mm -hmm. with basil by itself. I know what to do because I have on my pump, I've programmed in reduced basil for exercise that I do, you know, that's shorter. That's like on a regular daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, but I need to know what, how I can bolus when I have, when I'm in the middle of activity so that I don't uh, over bolus myself or under bolus myself. Yeah. And I would imagine too, so that if you are going to have a situation where there's active insulin, that it doesn't happen while you're in a body of water too. 
Well, for the swim, yeah. So I kind of know what to do at the beginning of the swim because that's first. Luckily, that's first because I won't have my pump with me. I will, I'll have my Dexcom, but you know, I can't get, I won't get readings. Um, So with the swim, I pretty much know I've done that swim distance before by itself. So I know what to do with that, Mm -hmm. but it's the, what I am most worried about really is um, I'm worried about, you know, the really long bike ride. I'm going to eat like a sandwich um, maybe, maybe twice on the bike, like a small piece of a sandwich, not a big honking hoagie or anything, but like a little sandwich. And, you know, I'm, I won't be, I'm going to have to bolus and I need to figure out, well, how much is the you know, I had protein, yeah, had yeah. sugar. Yeah. yeah it's going to be interesting. So you're just going to go out and go on like kind of intensive hikes and try to test them there. Yeah. And the long bike rides. The so bike there's rides. training bikes and runs that are really long. And I have done, I did a, um, like a 50 K run once. And for that, I just kind of snacked the whole time. And so I actually did have to bolus a couple of times just for, I was just correcting. I was just responding instead of thinking ahead. So I wasn't pre-bolusing. I was eating Cheetos. So I'd eat like I could eat, like I found out, okay, I can eat like eight or 10 Cheetos, you know, the, the crunchy ones you know, I could pop those in, eat those. And then, you know, maybe 30 minutes later, I could watch what's happening. And then I would correct a little bit, not what I would normally correct if I was sitting. Mm-hmm. So I've, you know, that I'm going to have to figure out on. And so I've, I've planned in hikes that will help me do that. I think also, um, the long bike rides, there's lots of long bike rides where, you know, it's like three between three and six hour bike rides. There's a lot of those in the training plan. So for those I'll be eating, um, and trying to experiment. And then there's also long runs in the training plans. So I'll be training, you know, I'll be, um, trying to figure out how to eat with those as well. And so it's, it's going to be kind of, you know, I, I don't know, you know, other people have kind of done something similar. They're what I I've learned from, I've, one of my internet searches led to type one run. So, um, some of the people that I know there and on their Facebook page, I was able to kind of get a little bit more information about what other people do for long distance, um, training and racing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're kind of doing the same thing. They're kind of, um, they're like, well, I experimented with this or, you know, they may have had other people that said, here, try to do this, do this, do this. When you get out of the water from the swim, you know, bolus the mist basil. If you don't, you're going to spike, even though you're on the bike, even though you're, you know, you're, yeah, you know, adrenaline is cranking. You're, you're, and also you've been without basil for that time, put it, Right there, bolus. So I would be interested you know. to to um, listen. I am never doing an Ironman. I think you're insane. So keep that in mind, okay? But <laughs> okay. um, but I would be inclined to talk about like how do you tempt the basil back prior to the swim so that you create a black hole of basil during the swim, so that when you come out of the water, the basil is immediately back already. And there's a way to do that with timing. Does that make sense to you? So. 
if you're going to swim from 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., I'm making up a number. Okay, yeah, for two hours, yeah. Right? Two hours. Then uh-huh. I would turn the basal back at 12 p.m. so that it has time to titrate back so that by the time 1 p.m. comes, you don't have any impact from the basal. And then I'd let that run, that temp basal, I'd let it run from 12 to 1 to maybe 2 or 2.30 and then have it come back on so that by the time it titrates back up again, you're out of the water at 3. Like, that's how it would occur to me. I have no idea if that's right or not. But if you ask me to oh, to, to make a plan yeah. for that, that's how I would think about it. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but that would be maybe a good thing to do. I don't, you know, yeah, there might be a better way to do it so that you don't get a spike. And you're not doing the Rob Peter to pay Paul thing. You're just, right. just kind of, right. you. so I think of doing that as creating a, like a pothole or a black hole in the future. So you take the basil away now so that it's completely gone in the future when the expected impact is coming. Uh-huh. And that way you kind of just sort of float like in a suspension tank instead of dropping down. Yeah. Because there's nothing there to, there's no insulin there to pull down. So while your body's trying to, because of the activity, drop your blood sugar, there's no insulin there. So your blood sugar can't drop because there's just none there or it can't drop as drastically. Right. And okay. Then, and then, but you have to have it come back on because, you know, when you set a temp basal increase at noon, even if you made it a hundred and fifty percent increase, you're not going to start getting the impact from it for a half an hour or more because it yeah. still just builds up slowly. So you can take it away slowly, create the black hole, put it back in before the swim is over, so that the black hole's gone by the time you come out of the water. That's how I think of it. Like, I actually thought what you talked about with the swimming this morning, mm-hmm. it sounded like you found a way to get through it, but that's not how I would have done it. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, there's probably, I mean, I'll have to think about how to get that, how to do that. Think about it like pre-bolusing. So, yeah. Right? So you pre-bolus a meal at 12 because the insulin's going to start working around 12, 15, and it's really going to start pulling around 1220, 1225, and you're going to begin to eat at, I don't know, you know, 1215. Mm-hmm. So you put the insulin in early, so the insulin gets a head start so that when the food starts impacting, the insulin's already up to power. With a with a bolus for activity like this, you take the basal away so that the basal's not there, so that when the impact of the activity comes, there's nothing there to add yep. to, that, to that drop. That makes sense? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's good. I will, yeah, let me figure out how to get that done. Um, but yeah, It'll if take I trial could and error. It, yeah, if it could fire up, like, I mean, I can swim with the pump. I can, I mean, I have a little like waterproof bag, bag thing. I can, I can swim with it. If I could swim with it, I could probably get it to. You also don't necessarily need it during that time either because if you temp down before right then you could yeah. mix then you could bastardize these two ideas you could temp down before bag the pump when you swim which is i'm assuming what you end up doing with it and then swim with it off and then get out hook it up and do a bolus instead of a temp basal instead of the basal coming back on before the swim is over just put the bolus in it, you'll probably get a similar you'd probably get a similar thing there yeah. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you figure out. That's for sure. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll experiment with that yeah. because even the short swims, I always have a spike and I know it's coming. So I always you have the well. spike afterwards. Yeah. I get a spike afterwards. Because so I you're know taking it's insulin coming. away while you're swimming. Yeah. Yeah. If there's I would, a, yeah. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. There's, there's a way, look, it, it won't be easy to figure out, but there's a way in there somehow, because in the end, all you're trying to do is put the insulin you need in the places where you need it. Right. That's it. That's all you're trying to do. I kind of think like an engineer, Lori. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm taking that as a bonus and we're stopping the episode right here. That's what I take that. That's, <laughs> that's my trophy. What do you think of that? Um, uh, anyway, I, 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 we're having a nice time talking. So we're running in the fear place of going on forever. We've been talking for an hour and a half. But, um, <laughs> but I want to thank you very much for, for doing this. And um, I tell you that, I, that your story is is different than most people's and uh i really appreciate you sharing it especially for and i know all the people who have had this happen to them appreciate it as well because the notes i get from them are uh they they seem kind of desperate to hear from somebody that's in their situation so thank you very much (laughs) yes well thank you very much too it was my pleasure for sure to talk on the on the podcast i appreciate this i really do plus now i'm basically two nasa people in i'm kicking ass on that (laughs) yes for sure doing great i also think what you do is really cool so um i appreciate i i I love that there are people wondering about things that are that are so much uh bigger than than just the day-to-day stuff so well thanks i do too (laughs) yeah no kidding i think it's amazing Well, first, I have to thank Lori for being very, very, very patient. 13 months later, this is Lori's episode. Thank you very much, Lori. I am very sorry. I'd also like to thank InPen from Medtronic Diabetes and remind you to go to InPenToday.com to learn more about the InPen, to find out how much it could cost, and to get started. After that, you can go to contournext.com forward slash juice box and get the best darn little blood glucose meter that I've ever used. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. And if you get the chance and you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 or cares for someone with type 1, head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and take the survey. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.